Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 7.51 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the last day of the second month of 2022. It's a Monday. And yeah, I know it, things look, things look bleak. I get it. I understand. I really do. You know, it's not beyond me that, that all hell is breaking loose and maybe I shouldn't try to sound as jovial as I do, but come on, man, really? You want me to be all men stuff like that? No, 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 no. It's Monday. We gotta, gotta do something today. We've got to do something today for ourselves and for the people that are around us to bring a bright spot. We have to. It's up to us because nobody, clearly none of the assholes in charge are interested at all in bringing happiness to this planet. So guys, we're going to have to do it all by ourselves. And one of the things that has brought a bright spot into my life is the patrons that I have on Patreon and the people that are streaming me Satoshis through a podcasting 2.0. And I want to give a special thanks to Ron. Sorry, excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. Hold on here. Ron Rogers 9 to be exact. My newest uh, patron as of February the 23rd. Uh, thank you, Ron. Uh, I did send you a message back through Patreon, so please read it. <clears throat> and uh, although you don't have to, because I'm about to state pretty much the exact same thing right now, and that is that um, I would like to make this particular show co-produced with you, my listeners. I'd like to actually make this your show your podcast, not my podcast, sort of like our podcast. Tips, tricks. If you have a news story that you want me to read, if you want me to do something completely different and have a different segment, then by all means, tell me what you want. I want to make this show co-produced with the audience. That's what I really want. I don't want to just do what I think is go, you know, is is what everybody wants. I want to do what you really want me to do. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, my ego is not so huge as to not be able to take direction from the people who are good enough to sit down with my ass for an hour, you know, every single day, right? Well, not every single day, usually Monday through Friday. Um, but I want, I want you guys to have some ownership if you want. I mean, you don't have to, I'm just saying, if there's something that you want me to cover, if there's something you want me to do, if there is a segment that you think would be a good segment to have, if there's anything that I can do for you with this podcast, please, for the love of God, tell me you can DM me on Twitter. My DMs are open, okay? You don't have to be following me to shoot me a DM, and I don't have to be following you to shoot me a DM. My DMs are, in fact, open. I will double-check on that. In, uh, you know what? Maybe my DMs aren't open. I will make sure that they're open. And the reason I say that is because this is my new Twitter account, Ghost of Nunya, by the way. It's at Ghost of Nunya. N-U-Y-N-A on Twitter. And this is my new account, so I may have forgotten to turn on DMs. Uh, My old account was definitely open. So I'll make sure of that. So DM me on Twitter with your ideas, your feedback, things you want me to stop doing. 
as well, guys. I'm telling you, I want to make it co-produced. You can comment on Patreon, and that is Patreon forward slash or Patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and podcast, all one word. You can comment on my Substack. I have been writing lately. I have been uh, kind of compiling about 41 regenerative agriculture books into uh, Substacks that are about you know five books long, you know easily digestible. I've got another one going out today. Today will be part three. But it's nunya.substack.com. That is nunya.substack.com. And so you can comment there. All right. You can, like, if any way that you can get a hold of me, you are more than welcome to tell me what you want this show to be because I really want to do this. I want to move forward with you guys all together. And podcasting 2.0, it's the best way to support this show. And you can stream me Satoshis through, you know, my three favorite apps are the Sphinx Chat app, where you can listen to the show and stream me Satoshis. You can do it through the Fountain app, and you can do it through the Breeze Wallet. Amazingly enough, Breeze Wallet has a podcasting app embedded inside of it. And all of those will allow you to listen to the show and stream me Satoshis directly to my Lightning node without anybody in between. Now, uh, with all that said, I do appreciate everybody's support. I really do. It's it's makes me smile every single day that I see a new patron come online or somebody streaming me Satoshis directly to my lightning node because I can in fact see all that. And I'm here to also ask for if you haven't joined <clears throat> like if you haven't signed up for my Substack, if you, you know, if you haven't signed up to be a patron even just $1 a month, 1 buck a month is like I, I've got a tier set that low and that's that would be great if I can get a thousand true fans I can do this for the rest of my life I, I can bring you the the stuff that you want me to bring you because I want this show co-produced and I would get some income and that's the way that I would really much very much like to live my life so if you guys can help me out with that that'd be awesome now let's effing go what do we got? What do we got online here? Uh, let's see. What are we going to start with? EU. All right. The European Union delays the vote on crypto regulations amid Bitcoin energy debate. You knew it was going to happen. You knew they weren't going to vote on it. They said they were going to vote on it. They scared everybody. They scared the living pee out of everybody. And then they didn't do it. You know, most likely because of all the stuff that's going on in Eastern Europe, they're saying it's because of the energy debate. I don't know. We'll find out more from Scott Cipollina, Decrypt.co. The European Parliament has delayed a vote on the Markets in Crypto Assets Directive, or the MICA, due to fears that it would be misrepresented as a de facto Bitcoin ban over questions surrounding the industry's energy demands. MICA a much-anticipated market regulatory act targeting the crypto industry was initially slated for a vote February the 28th, that would be today, 2022. However, in the very last hour, the chairman of the Economics Committee, Stefan Berger, announced the cancellation of the vote on, amazingly enough, Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter, Jesus, this is, getting, this is getting sick, man. The principal reason for this was late stage changes to the future status of proof of work blockchains like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Some reportedly interpreted these changes as a potential ban on blockchains. Berger tweeted that discussions around MICA had indicated that individual passages of the draft report can be misrepresented and understood as a proof of work ban. He added that it would be fatal if the EU Parliament sent the wrong signal with a vote under these circumstances. This is not the first time Europe has wrestled with the environmental impact of proof-of-work cryptocurrency mining. Last year, Sweden's financial services regulator, what I can't pronounce it, uh, called for a ban on energy-intensive mining. In fact, the regulator went as far to say Proof-of-work cryptocurrency mining was a threat to Sweden's ability to meet their Paris Agreement obligations. Quote, Sweden needs the renewable energy targeted by crypto assets, by crypto asset producers, for the climate transition of our essential services and increased use by miners threatens our ability to meet the Paris Agreement, the regulator said. Quote, 
energy intensive mining of crypto assets should therefore be prohibited, end quote. This claim, which came hot off the heels of last year's COP26 conference in Scotland, was also shared by the Swedish Environmental Protection Agency. And what's more, the European Securities and Markets Authority also called for a ban on proof-of-work mining back in January. Eric Thieden, Vice Chair of ESMA and Director General of Finiscopitikin, told the Financial Times that Bitcoin mining had become a national issue in Sweden. So there you go, it delayed the vote. Who knows when the new vote's going to come up, but apparently they, they have enough sense about them to say, wait a minute, we may not want to pull the trigger exactly right now with Putin knocking at our doorstep because Putin is knocking at the doorstep. Okay, fair warning, guys, fair warning. Today's going to be filled with a lot of Ukraine stuff. I know on Friday, I promised you guys that I wouldn't do that shit. What I, what I want to reiterate is that I'm not going to opine on Ukraine and Russian stuff because I'm not a geopoliticist, right? I'm not, and most of us aren't. And it's so cringe to see what's happening on Twitter right now, and maybe I'll, I'll opine on that sometime later. But I do want to give you fair warning that I am reading new stories, but... As you might imagine, a lot of the Bitcoin news today is talking about the Ukraine and this whole Russian mess. So it is what it is. It, this is this is where we've arrived. After COVID-19, we've arrived square at the foot of war in Europe. Yay, yay. But again, let's try to be positive. Let's try to be happy. Let's let's try to at least commit some random act of happiness today so that we're not just continuously bogged down in the brutal realities of life. Anyway, <clears throat> the EU commission to remove Russian banks from SWIFT cross-border network. Arjit Sarkar hopefully will define exactly what that means from Cointelegraph. While condemning the Russian President Vladimir Putin's move to lay siege across Ukraine, the EU Commission committed to undertake a series of measures to isolate Russia from the international financial system. The European Commission announced to remove a number of Russian banks from the Society of Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications, SWIFT, their messaging system, aimed at hindering Russia's capacity to carry out cross-border payments. Bitcoin fixes this. In a joint statement released by the European Commission, leaders from France, Germany, Italy, and the United Kingdom, Canada, and the United States highlighted their shared interest in defunding Ukraine, sorry, defending Ukraine from the war against Russia. Quote, we will hold Russia to account and collectively ensure that this war is a strategic failure for Putin, end quote. While condemning Russian President Vladimir Putin's move to lay siege across Ukraine, the EU Commission committed to undertake a series of measures to isolate Russia from the international financial system. President of the EU Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, announced five proactive measures against Russian authorities, starting with the removal of an undisclosed number of Russian banks from the SWIFT messaging system. Note, okay, pausing here to note, an undisclosed number of banks. What's not said is all of the banks. So keep that in mind as we carry forward. In addition to cutting Russia's ties with SWIFT, the EU Commission will, quote, paralyze the assets of Russia's central bank, creating another financial barrier for the Russian central bank to liquidate assets. As for the third measure, EU Commission stated, quote, we commit to taking measures to limit the sale of citizenship, the so-called golden passports, that let wealthy Russians connected to the Russian government become citizens of our countries and gain access to our financial systems, end quote. <clears throat> the EU Commission will launch a transatlantic force to ensure effectiveness and implementation of all the sanctions, which primarily aims to freeze the overseas assets of Russian officials, elites, their family members. As a fifth measure, <clears throat> the commission plans to increase coordination against disinformation and other forms of hybrid warfares. As global markets continue to impose new financial restrictions on Russia, a Cointelegraph report from, 
February the 24th highlights how Russian billionaires could potentially circumvent any sanctions put forth by the world leaders by using cryptocurrencies. Now that Russian banks risk getting barred from SWIFT's international financial network, crypto may be the key for rich individuals to evade sanctions. Quantum Economics founder and CEO Matty Greenspan said, quote, if a wealthy individual is concerned that their accounts may be frozen due to sanctions, they can simply hold their wealth in Bitcoin in order to be protected from such actions. And that's the end of the article. But let's go back up here and make sure that we understand that they didn't say all of the banks. In fact, over the weekend when, they, when this started kind of hitting the news wires, it was very clear that they were going to remove four banks from the SWIFT system, but not all of them, right? So it remains to be seen exactly what we're going to be doing to Russia in so far as, you know, financial sanctions and just how far they'll go and how much of their financial system it will, you know, impact. But we don't really know that much right now. So you got to keep all this stuff sort of in your, in your back pockets here. And second, this whole thing about barring Russians from leaving Russia and becoming citizens of another country is akin to the banning, like Greg Abbott banned or, or asked retail in the state of Texas to ban Russian products. I, oh, that'll fix it. That, that'll do it. That'll do it, right? No, 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 no. But banning a citizen of Russia, I, is it just because they're rich that clearly they must like what Russia's doing? I'm not so sure. I don't know all of the billionaires and, and millionaires in Russia. I don't know a single one of them, in fact. But even if I did know one, I certainly don't know them all. And I haven't sat down and had a beer or a glass of vodka with any of these dudes. So I literally don't know if they are all on the side of Putin or not. But there's something kind of heinous of that. Would, were there really rich Jews that tried to escape Germany with their money? Yes, there were. Did they get, you know, heist? Did they get heisted at the borders? Yes, they did. They got all their shit taken away, except for a few really, you know, clever individuals, which we won't get into. Did the United States or Europe uh, ban the travel of Jews? to, you know, Western friendly countries that were trying, that were going to end up in a war against Germany. No, they didn't, they didn't, they, they were like, come here, welcome, please get out of Germany. Well, what if the, some of these Russian guys are like, I got to get out of here. This place is crazy. Maybe they think Putin's a complete nut job and they want to get out. Hell, they've already devalued the ruble. I mean, it's, it's already in the toilet. They've lost half of their wealth basically in three or four days. They need to get out. And what are you going to do? You're going to block them in? I don't know, man. This seems, this seems really kind of cruel. Yes, I, I, I understand that there could be a couple of billionaires coming over that want to do nefarious shit. I don't know. Use the police. Investigate them. I don't know, but... But locking them into to Russia, if they're trying to get out, if you had done that with the Jews, what the hell would have happened? I don't know, man. It's just the whole thing is bizarre. But, you know, Bitcoin is, is part of all of this. So we have to figure that one out. Continuing with Ukraine, <clears throat> the Ukrainian vice prime minister calls on crypto exchanges to ban Russian users. Well, good luck with all of that. Scott Cipollina out of Decrypt.co. Vice Prime Minister and Minister of Digital Transformation, Mikhailo Fedorov, has called on crypto exchanges to block addresses of Russian users. Quote, it's crucial to freeze not only the addresses linked to Russian and Belarusian politicians, but also to sabotage ordinary users. Let me read that again. It's crucial to sabotage ordinary users, Fedorov tweeted yesterday. One day before, Fedorov took to Twitter to ask for information about crypto while it's linked to Russian and Belarusian politicians. Quote, Ukrainian crypto community is ready to provide a generous reward for any information about crypto wallets of Russian and Belarusian politicians and their surroundings. 
War crimes must be pursued and punished, Fedorov said, adding a link to his telegram in the tweet. <laughs> Jesus. Join my telegram group. Fedorov's requests form just part of the wider crypto dynamic impacting on the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. After Russia invaded Ukraine last week, the international community responded with widespread and sweeping economic sanctions levied against the state of Russia, the Russian economy, as well as, as its government. Yet despite this international response, which includes a ban on Russian banks from the SWIFT payment system, again, not all of them as far as I can tell, there is concern that Russia could utilize cryptocurrencies to evade sanctions. Quote, as with the traditional financial system, Russia can leverage cryptocurrency to evade the sanctions that are being put in place in response to their invasion of Ukraine, Caroline Malcolm, head of international policy at blockchain analytics firm Chainalysis, told Decrypt last week, while pointing out that transactions from identified sanctioned entities could, in fact, be identified. <laughs> Meanwhile, cryptocurrency donations to Ukraine have been pouring in since Russia's invasion began. On February the 26th, 2022, the Ukrainian government official Twitter account announced that it was now accepting cryptocurrency donations in a tweet that also shared Bitcoin and Ethereum wallet addresses. And to date, over $18 million in cryptocurrencies have been sent to those addresses. Since Fedorov's request, two prominent crypto exchanges have refused to freeze Russian accounts on their platforms. Quote, we're going to unilaterally, we, oh, sorry, we are not going to unilaterally freeze millions of innocent users' accounts, a Binance spokesperson reportedly told CNBC. Quote, crypto is meant to provide greater financial freedom for people across the globe. To unilaterally decide to ban people's access to their crypto would fly in the face of the reason of why crypto exists in the first place. <clears throat> End quote. In turn, Kraken CEO Jesse Powell tweeted, quote, I understand the rationale for this request, but despite my deep respect for the Ukrainian people, Kraken cannot freeze the accounts of our Russian clients without a legal requirement to do so. End quote. Powell added that Russians should be aware that this kind of requirement may be imminent. Yes, again, what, what, if you read between the lines, what he's saying is you better get your shit off our exchange and you better do it right now. Because when that request, and it will come down, it will happen. They will get a directive to freeze Russian accounts. And if you've KYC'd yourself as a Russian on those exchanges, you're toast. You'll, you will not get your shit. If you're Russian or Ukrainian or Belarusian or any, any nationality whatsoever, and you have any cryptocurrency on any exchange, now, not later, is the time to get that off. I know some people have been like, you know, just doing, just buying through exchanges and they haven't really played with getting, you know, holding your own keys, then reach out to those of us on Twitter and somebody somewhere will try and, and walk you through it. But it is imperative that you start positioning yourself to get all of your stuff off of exchanges. Because even if you're not, if you have nothing at all to do with this particular conflict, let's say you're Irish and you live in Ireland, if you hold Bitcoin, the, the, the narratives are going to start falling out about how if Russia announces that they're going to use Bitcoin to evade sanctions, if they actually start doing it and it hits the news, and honestly, even if they don't, the news will probably just start fabricating stories about how they are. And then anybody else who's holding any kind of cryptocurrency whatsoever might as well be Putin and Hitler and a Nazi. It's coming. It's coming. I, I guarantee it. So do yourself a favor, get it off now and not later. <clears throat> let's see. Is there anything else? Uh, central bank. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Central bank of Russia braces for turmoil with non-resident trading ban. Oh boy. This is going to be fun. Coindesk, Sam Reynolds, Non-resident holders of Russian equities will not be able to liquidate their holdings, the Central Bank of Russia announced today. 
effectively banning foreign trading hours before the market is set to open. Non-resident traders will likely be looking to limit or eliminate their exposure to the sanctioned economy, but are going to find that pretty much impossible for the time being. The central bank delayed trading as it worked behind the scenes to access the or assess the impact of the sanctions being placed upon the country. The cryptocurrency or no, no, just the regular currency markets opened on Monday with the ruble dropping 40% against the dollar. A decision will soon be made on whether the equities market will open for the day. The European Union is committed to re removing Russia from the SWIFT system. Yes, we know. Over the weekend, the US, EU, and UK, as well as Canada, added Russian President Vladimir Putin to their sanctions list. So the, the real news in all this is that if you are, let's say, Irish, again, living in Ireland, again, and you have any kind of Russian equities, yeah, you're hosed, dude. Again, I cannot, you know, in, in, and here's the, the, here's the difference. There was never going to be a way for you to get your shit off of a Russian exchange. If you held equities, it's not like you were going to transfer it over somewhere else. You, you're dependent upon those exchanges trading your stocks, bonds, equities, foreign exchange, whatever, right? You're dependent upon them. With Bitcoin, you are not, okay? You can hold your own keys. Here, they can't. So if you're holding, if you're not a resident of Russia and you're holding any kind of Russian equities or foreign exchange or anything like that, they're being held in Russian, on Russian exchanges, and you're not trading them. You are hosed. If you didn't get, if you didn't liquidate all your shit, convert it to dollars and get it out, your host until hopefully all this, if this mess settles down, then maybe you can get it back later. But as of today and tomorrow and for the foreseeable future, you know, they just took, they're basically just holding your shit hostage. This is why I Bitcoin. Now, one man's plan to orange pill a nation. Thank God we're out of Ukraine, at least for right now. Bitcoin Senegal, ah, Joseph Hall, Cointelegraph. Nauru is a 29-year-old Bitcoiner with a vision for his home country. A former financial analyst for a French bank, he founded Bitcoin Senegal in late 2021, following an eight-year stint in France during which Nauru earned his master's degree, Bitcoin chain code qualifications, and a deep understanding of legacy financial markets. Thanks to work in investment finance, he was primed to orange pill the country of Senegal. He returned to his home country, disheartened to learn that CoinMap had zero locations in Senegal. That's despite singer and influencer Akon's plans to set up a crypto-style Akon city. Passionate about Bitcoin and equipped with the knowledge that a Bitcoin beach idea in El Salvador eventually led to the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender, the 29-year-old was inspired to try a similar thing in his own hometown. Since setting foot in Africa's westernmost capital, Dakar, Nauru has made progress. As well as founding Bitcoin Senegal, he's given upwards of 18 educational talks about Bitcoin and orange-pilled two restaurants, one game shop, a surf camp, and a few local vendors. That's all in the space of about six weeks. He has his sights set on 20 restaurants to accept Bitcoin by July 2022, right before he finishes coding up Senegal's first proprietary Bitcoin exchange from scratch. The exchange would compete with Binance, Paxful, as well as a friend's cryptocurrency exchange, which uses the off-the-shelf third-party solution. Nauru told Cointelegraph that his exchange will be as decentralized as possible and knows that while competition may be tough, quote, the demand for Bitcoin is so large in Senegal that it doesn't matter how many exchanges you make, end quote. Indeed, while the sub-Saharan country of about 17 million people is familiar with Bitcoin, it's hardly up to speed with the digital currency. Plus, Nauru says literacy rates are very low, one of the biggest barriers to adoption. Furthermore, while the national language is officially French, the majority of Senegalese speak Wolof, a local language. There are sparse Bitcoin educational resources in Wolof. Nauru therefore started a YouTube channel in Wolof to educate his countrymen about Bitcoin. For vendors, the Bitcoin quest began in Las, or sorry, 
Les Alamedias, a wealthy expat area of Dakar where foreign travelers are common and literacy rates are very high. He has approached beach bars, restaurants, and barbershops, happy to come day or night if there is ever a problem with BitPay or Lightning terminals. In the restaurant Piranha, the Bitcoin sign is loud and proud. The owner of the establishment, Rene, is a surf coach and free thinker who was open to the idea of Bitcoin. Why not? They accepted their first payment in Bitcoin on February the 24th, having set up a BTC pay server earlier in the month. Nice. Nonetheless, volatility in the Bitcoin price and education continue to hamper Noru's orange pilling efforts. It's for that reason that he advises vendors to include a 10% markup for Bitcoin payments. Equally, he spends considerable amounts of time sitting down with retailers going over Bitcoin before introducing them to the Bitcoin Layer 2 solution, Lightning. Regarding education, it's simply not time effective to attempt to equip taxi drivers or street sellers with QR codes and BTC pay servers. For the self-employed hustlers, a conversation and a mention of the YouTube channel is a useful start. Instead, Noru is targeting restaurant owners, business people, surf schools, and established commerce. It's a small but vital step toward further Bitcoin recognition in the country. So there you go. All right. So. It's good to see somebody, you know, work in the Senegal uh, country that this is, this is, you know, key. Africa is a going to be a key player in Bitcoin, just like Central and South America. Those are my two main places to watch. But what I find the most interesting about this particular story is that he's not trying to orange pill them with lightning before he tries to orange pill them with layer one Bitcoin. Being able to explain that top to bottom, backwards and forwards in a way that's easily understood. And then once grasped at all, all of a sudden, then lightning will make sense because one of the first things that you'll figure out when you start talking about Bitcoin layer one is that, well, what if fees get really, really high? I don't want to pay you know, a couple of bucks on the, on the main chain when it costs a couple of bucks and possibly more if fees go up for fees. That's when you say, ah, but there's lightning. And then you can tell them the rest of the story as it exists today. That's an important step. I really don't like the thought of orange pilling people with a lightning network before they understand why the lightning network exists. We've got to start with Bitcoin layer one, and then we can explain what sits on top of it. You don't really explain how a car works without at least explaining how a wheel works. Let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids down from what they were today, but they're still up, as you might imagine. West Texas Intermediate is up four full points to $95.31 a barrel. Brenton North Sea is up 3.15% to $101.01. Natural gas is up 1.5% to $4.53 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline is making the move, man. $2 or actually 2.5% to the upside. That puts it squarely at $2.80 a gallon, which means you're looking at probably $8.25 on the West Coast. So be aware. Uh, gold up one and a half, 1916 bucks. Silver up 2.34%. Platinum is up 0.81. Copper up 0.33%. Palladium is up, five, holy shit, 5.78%. Agricultural futures are mixed. The biggest loser today is chocolate, 2.95% of the downside for cocoa. Wheat is the biggest winner, up 5.32%. Uh, Soybeans up 2.5%. Corn up 4.12%. Sugar is up a mere 0.4%. So there you go, man. Uh, looks like most of the main staples uh, for commodities futures are rocketing up because of all this mess in Europe. I really do wish the, hope this stuff ends soon, but I'm just not holding out hope for a, a short-term, you know, cessation of all this stuff. 
Uh, indices Dow down 1.19%. S&P is down 1.16. NASDAQ down almost a full point. S&P mini down 1.18%. So they're all tracking real close together today. But real money is at $38,062. Sorry, $38,062. 233,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is 9,700 transactions every hour on the hour with a scant 463,000 Bitcoin being sent over the past 24 hours. That's under 20,000 BTC every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of two BTC and a median transaction value dropping to 0.013 BTC or about 482 bucks. Block times are low, nine minutes and 25 seconds with 0.04 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, seven and a half BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. After an 8.8% rise in hash rate, we're back up to 190.5 exahashes per second. And your shitcoin indicator as usual is Dogecoin at 12.4 United States pennies. 2,813 transactions are waiting on two blocks to clear. We have a market capitalization for Bitcoin of $737 billion, which is 5.85% of gold's market cap. And if we so choose, we may purchase 20.3 ounces of shiny metal rocks with our one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,970,446.14. And 3,452 of those are locked in the Lightning Network valued at $134.3 million being run over 20,012 nodes sporting 85,746 payment channels and 76.1% of all of it's being run over 11,604 Tor nodes or at least the Tor nodes that we know about and that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Non-zero BTC addresses hit an all-time high of 40 million. Brian Neuer tells us more, Cointelegraph. On-chain statistics through February have suggested positive sentiment for Bitcoin as addresses with a non-zero balance of BTC reached an all-time high. Additionally, those wallets with the positive BTC balance are increasingly hodling their coins. The amount of BTC circulating supply last moved between three and five years ago reached a four-year high of just over 2.8 million coins, according to data from Glassnode. The number of addresses with a non-zero balance was on a steep increase through 2019 and 2020 until the middle of 2021, when growth appeared to have plateaued at about 35 million addresses. However, growth in this metric has spiked since the beginning of 2022, leading to a new all-time high of 40,276,000 addresses, according to Glassnode. The sudden spike in BTC supply that was last active three to five years ago coincides with the peak of the last extended bull market at the beginning of 2018. Among the addresses with a non-zero balance, Glassnode reported that 817,000 of them have at least one whole BTC, a 10-month high on February the 28th. Supply-side dynamics in Bitcoin have provided several metrics of note this past month. FSI, or sorry, FS Insight reported on February the 9th that 75% of the BTC circulating supply was illiquid because it had not moved for extended periods of time. The financial research firm's report describes the situation as a powder keg that is ready to blow as soon as a moderate amount of BTC is bought on the market. Political turbulence in Canada and Ukraine in February also shed more light on Bitcoin's ability to remain censor-proof. Some Canadians have adopted Bitcoin to protect their funds from being frozen, while the Ukrainian government is now accepting BTC donations as tensions escalate in the region. BTC is currently trading at $37,827, down around 45% from November 10th all-time high of $69,000, according to CoinGecko. Okay, so let's let's go back into a little piece of this that I, I forgot to mention uh, earlier when they were talking about, you know, oh my God, what if the Russians start using Bitcoin to evade sanctions? 
Well, at the same time, the Ukrainian government is using Bitcoin to help them in the war against Russia. I guess. I mean, that's that's the narrative. I'm not there. I don't know. Could be complete bullshit. I know one thing. They did actually give a multi-sig address or what looks like a multi-sig address uh, for Bitcoin from the Ukrainians' official uh, Twitter account. That's not in... That is not in uh, in any way untrue. That is 100% fact. As to what they're doing with it, I don't know. And neither do you. None of us actually really know. Only the people that have access to that wallet knows what the hell's going on there. But that's the double-edged sword that Bitcoin is. It's 100% neutral, guys. It doesn't give a shit if you're Ukrainian or Russian or Canadian or you, from the United States or Venezuelan or Argentinian. It does not care. And it doesn't care because it can't. And that's good. I like that. I like that it physically cannot give shit one about what the hell's going on in geopolitics. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Satoshi. Now, moving on. How Bitcoin Ends Injustice and the Importance of Orange-Pilling Activists. Dan Weintraub, writing it for BitcoinMagazine.com. Decoupling Exploitation from Gain. How Bitcoin Ends Injustice and the Importance of Orange-Pilling the Activist Community. Tens of millions of people in the United States consider themselves activist and socially justice-minded. Individuals engaged in some form of work that is either directly or tangentially focused upon political and or social change. Indeed, according to Gallup, some 40% of Americans see themselves as environmentalists. And a recent Case Foundation study from 2017 reveals close to one in five millennials identify as activists in one manner or another. Until we do a better job addressing the Wall Street and government-informed narratives around Bitcoin, and until we invest far more of our personal resources and time into demonstrating how Bitcoin promises a better world for all, these activists, these would-be change agents for good, will continue to fight battles that simply cannot be won. And those who suffer injustice will continue to do so. Any quick Google search that includes words like justice and equality reveals a human ecosystem in which concerns over exploitation and inequality permeate every nook of the human endeavor. Tweak the search just a bit and you will discover myriad organizations and foundations, meetup groups and Facebook communities centered upon righting all manner of societal wrongs. The data could not be clearer. People care. People care about a broken criminal justice system and about the scourge of domestic abuse. People care about economic injustice and skyrocketing homelessness. People care about a lack of access to affordable health care and about a fair wage for labor. Parents want their children to grow up in a world in which they, the air they breathe and the water they drink and the food they eat doesn't make them sick. And people care about living in a country in which 40 million Americans currently living in poverty might find a way out of such a situation. One of the extraordinary things about human beings is that we are programmed, hardwired towards equality and justice. Yes, the manifestation of equity as a 21st century politically manipulated construct has repelled many, but that doesn't change the fact that humans view fairness as essential to our interrelatedness. What is the primary complaint of any child who feels wronged by parents, teachers, friends? That's not fair, they say. Rarely, if ever, do you hear a five-year-old after he has extracted a usurious fee from his pal for use of his matchbox cars defend his exploitation by telling his little buddy that, quote, well, life just ain't fair. Yes, these words, justice and equity, have become loaded in recent years, leveraged by ideologues looking to gain power and influence through Emnitization of the other side, and still, virtually everyone believes in the sanctity of a just world. I recently had dinner with an old friend. She's an activist, a warrior for women's political and social justice issues. During our conversation, my friend described to me the outrage she felt over her employer's unwillingness to do the right thing vis-a-vis -vis an alleged instance of sexual misconduct in the workplace. We agreed upon further discussion that the employer's reluctance surrounded the issue of risk. My friend pointed out from her standpoint, the employer had their heart in the right place, but the financial risk involved in doing the right thing was simply too great. 
Moreover, we agreed that under the umbrella of a monetary system in which societal justice and equity appear extractionary, political opportunists can employ ideology as a tool to instill fear in those who might come to see moves towards equity as being unfair to them. And round and round we go. The bottom line is this. Social justice and equity will never exist in a fiat money world. The vast majority of people, institutions, nations will only make the right decisions about the social good as long as it doesn't extract money from their coffers. Moreover, and quite dishearteningly, those who feel that they have the most to lose, those with the most money and power will go to extraordinary lengths to disempower those who seek justice in an equitable world. Bitcoin can fix this, but we have to prioritize our own activism by showing the tens of millions of political and socially justice-minded souls just how this happens. Back to dinner with my friend, and toward the end of the evening, I took some time to introduce my friend to the idea of Bitcoin as a catalyst for change. I had to do so carefully, and her stories around Bitcoin are incomplete and propaganda-informed and therefore very negative. So instead of going off on some evangelistic philosophical rant, I simply shared a little bit about money and financial imperialism and also about international remittances, Jack Mallers, and strike. The thing about most activists is that they do recognize how injustice is not a single issue phenomenon. My friend may focus the bulk of her attention upon women's empowerment, but she also knows that corporate exploitation and a history of U.S. imperialism in Central America is real and is anti-human rights and is part of the greater struggle for a just world. And so this story, Strike's story, made tangible for her one way in which Bitcoin offers a world the way out of hell. Tens of millions of American activists are searching for an answer. They're spending hours each week engaged in marches, protests, petition drives, lobbying efforts, letter writing campaigns, bake sales, countless hours spent trying to change a system in which an ever-increasing number of people struggle, in which life is increasingly unfair. This is not about ideology. And yet that's the lens through which we have become programmed to see it. Left versus right, Democrat versus Republican, liberal versus conservative. These are all artificial constructs perpetrated by those who benefit from such polarization and conflict. And at the heart of it all is a system of money that is extractionary and exploitative, a system that rewards othering and hatred and inequality, a system in which abundant resources are hoarded and confiscated out of fear and greed. Bitcoin can, in time, shift the monetary paradigm to one of mutuality, of cooperation, of shared resources and shared values, and not political values, not ideology, but the one thing everyone seems to want, fairness. Bitcoin does this by decoupling exploitation from gain. In a Bitcoin world, a world in which truth is verified by an inviolable network, a world in which cooperation and mutuality and global barter become normative, a world in which everyone comes to the global network as equals, extraction and exploitation no longer behave as the driving force of human action. In a most beautiful sense, we all become children again, imbued with a sense of wonder at a world suffused with joy and built upon a foundation of love. Those who seek to exploit gain not from such motives, they live on the fringes, sociopaths stuck in a purgatory of their own making. Today, I will share this evangel with one friend, one individual from my circle of people who sees the world as somehow unjust, who is involved in political or social activism of one kind or another as their expression of a desire for a better world. We need these folks to understand Bitcoin as a righteous agent for change, for they possess a passion for justice, for equity, and for fairness. I hope that you will consider this call. So there it is. You know, and sure, there's, there is a fair amount of cringe that was seated well within, you know, the depths of that article. And I get it. You know, the minute somebody says social justice, hell, even I just want to, I don't know, take a shower because I feel dirty because of what social justice has, has become. Social justice never started out by itself to be the shit show that it is. It's become that because of propaganda. It's become that because it's become weaponized. The media has done this. 
The media always has done this. It's just the way of things. We have a way out, but it's not going to happen tomorrow and it's not going to happen the next day. It's going to happen person by person. And again, like the Senegalese gentleman from an earlier article this morning, don't start with lightning. Explain Bitcoin. That's the way to get people to understand. Ease of use and user experience are designed to be compiled on top of Bitcoin. So let's start with the base layer. Let's start with how proof of work works, why it is why it is and how that translates into justice in the real world or could translate into justice in the real world. Like everything else, Bitcoin is a tool. It can be used by the Russians. If you hate them, they're the enemy. It can be used by the Ukrainians and they're the good guys if you're on the Ukrainian side. I honestly don't know who the hell side I am on. I want to stay the hell out of that thing. I don't want to have any opinions whatsoever. I'm tired of seeing hot ass 18 year old Ukrainian and Russian chicks parading around in bras that are camouflaged with burning tanks behind them saying this is Ilya Olgolov and she's destroyed two fucking Russian tanks with nothing at all except I guess her breastuses. It is ridiculous. This, the, what I'm seeing in social media right now concerning Ukraine and Russia is actually the, the side that I'm against. If I have to pick a side in this entire thing, it is the level of bullshit that is pouring out of Facebook. Even though I don't look at Facebook, I can already tell you that the same shit's there. Instagram. This chick was, is an Instagram girl. I guarantee it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, this was a tweet and I can't remember who put it out. It came out sometime yesterday that was the first day that I saw it. And she's super smoking hot and she's holding an AK-47 and there's like this burning tank in this other picture and she's claimed to have destroyed both of them. What, with an AK-47? No, they should have, if they wanted me to at least have some semblance of being able to, to sway my belief that she actually did do these things, she would be holding a, a rocket propelled grenade. But she, no, no, she wasn't. And then, then, you know, like sometime earlier in the week, that may have been like late Friday night or early Saturday sometime, I saw two other smoking hot Ukrainian chicks dressed in camouflage, holding weaponry. There was the one in the front had a, a, a shiny new grenade hanging off of her whatever, like the, her battle vest or whatever the you want to call it. And there wasn't a speck of dirt on any of the guns. And if you looked at the gun straps, the firearms that they were holding, if you looked at their clothing, anything, there wasn't a fleck of grass. There wasn't a spot of dirt or mud or anything. Everything they were wearing was brand new and yet they were touted as resistance fighters. Bullshit. It was an Instagram post. So if I have to be against something in the Ukrainian-Russian conflict, I am against the bullshit that's pouring out of social media. Do not believe a single thing about any of this shit. If you can't vet it, assume it is a lie. Scotland, I want Scotland to prosper. Bitcoin is the answer. Bitcoin Magazine, Jordan Walker, I have been involved in cryptocurrency for a few years, dedicating my time and effort to educating people about the fundamental and global benefits. I run a podcast, The Crypto Standard, educating listeners in a fun and understandable way. So why have I picked Bitcoin Standard over any other cryptocurrency out there? Simple, nothing comes close to Bitcoin in terms of store value that is durable, portable, transferable, divisible, fungible, and more importantly, scarce. To all MSPs in the Scottish Parliament, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Jordan Walker and I, like many others, have a great pride for Scotland. Our history and ancestry is renowned around the globe. I am lucky enough to be well-traveled and have found that Scottish people are well-received no matter what country I visit. My accent will be complimented and there is an instant trust between foreign borders which very few nations actually have. If our history has taught us anything, we will fight for our freedom and challenge the status quo. 
I'm writing this from my perspective as part of Generation Z because I believe the future of Scotland lies with the younger generation. Unfortunately, the world I see today makes me angry and fills me with a sense of disappointment. We are destroying our planet, and in the process, we are creating social and wealth divides. Why? For the greed of money. Yes, it all comes back to money. What I have learned over the last few years of self-studying macroeconomics is that we live in a world of constant monetary debasement and spiraling debt. The current global monetary system is not sustainable. It is built on trust between governments and citizens, which is deteriorating, as evidenced by recent inflationary measures. I would like to highlight El Salvador here, which, like Scotland, is a small country with a population deeply affected by currency devaluation and national debt. They are in this position because they have used the U.S. dollar as currency, which the U.S. has devalued through very loose monetary policies without compensating El Salvador. As you can imagine, this has led to them using debt to support their economy. In order to tackle this, El Salvador has now adopted Bitcoin. They have adopted what they, and I believe, is sound money and are educating their population on the benefits of using Bitcoin. In addition, they are attracting enormous investment into the country by building the world's first Bitcoin city. To help them do this, they will begin issuing bonds backed by Bitcoin. Alongside these bonds, they are harnessing green energy by exploiting volcanic geothermal activity to mine Bitcoin for their national reserves. They are leading the way and demonstrating the true potential of Bitcoin as sound money with the capabilities of harnessing the Earth's energy. And many are skeptical of Bitcoin and will have stopped reading this letter already. Therein lies the problem. Many are not willing to have an open discussion around the topic to learn the true fundamentals of the Bitcoin protocol. There are many narratives about Bitcoin portrayed by the media and groups focusing on alternative vested interests which have influenced people's perceptions such as Bitcoin is a bubble. Bitcoin is bad for the environment. Bitcoin is used for money laundering. I've spent hundreds, thousands of hours researching Bitcoin and my conclusion is that Bitcoin is hope. Let me explain why. The UK just reported an inflation rate increase of 5.5% in the 12 months to January 2022. The highest figures in three, count them, three decades. This is a global problem due to the amount of money being printed, one that is not transitory and needs to be urgently addressed. I took the decision last year to not pay or not to pay into a private pension pot. Where is the sense in locking away my hard-earned money in investments utilizing a debasing currency as their unit of account? There is none. To do so would be allowing this currency debasement-based inflation to compound in my pension's pot purchasing power over the next 42 years. For many my age, this is the collision course we are on if our monetary policy is not fixed. I do not trust the government-backed money anymore. Therefore, I do not trust the authority controlling it. However, one thing I do trust is math. I am by no means a mathematician. In fact, I hated it at school. But I know that it can't be distorted, nor can it be influenced by humans. Bitcoin is built with math, and over the last few years of learning about it, I've come to trust Bitcoin. It gives me a sense of hope that we can do better. Its hard cap supply limit of 21 million Bitcoin means that nobody can create any more of it. This makes it a far superior asset to that of gold and certainly to any currency we've seen to date. Anyone looking for a store of value that is durable, portable, transferable, divisible, fungible, and scarce need look no further than Bitcoin. In fact, Bitcoin is the single fastest adopted technology ever. It's projected that it will hit 1 billion users four years faster than the internet did. Today, we can't live without the internet. Bitcoin is here to stay and will transform the global financial system for future generations. And I want Scotland and its people to prosper from the technology. Scotland has the same opportunity as El Salvador to adopt Bitcoin. Maybe not as legal tender, but simply to incorporate it into Scotland's future by accumulating it as part of Scottish Sovereign Wealth Fund. We are moving into an era of sustainability where our oil reserves will become valueless. However, we are rich in wind and tidal energy, which have the potential to be used for Bitcoin mining. Bitcoin can be the catalyst for Scotland to go independent and lead the way for Bitcoin adoption throughout Europe.
The 2014 referendum heavily relied on our oil reserves, but as we shift into greener, more sustainable worlds, oil can no longer be relied upon for our country's wealth. So what can? The younger generation gets it. They're leading the way in Bitcoin innovation and adoption. The misinformed narrative around Bitcoin needs to change. Otherwise, we risk getting left behind. I can only speak for myself when I say I would vote yes for a Bitcoin-backed Scottish independence, and I would like to call upon all members of the Scottish Parliament to start a discussion around Bitcoin and its place in Scotland's future. Yours sincerely, Jordan Walker. All right, Jordan, you're echoing what we've already heard a couple of times today is fighting the narratives that are against Bitcoin that are patently wrong and placing the idea of Bitcoin for the future generation, for future fairness, for future health, for future wealth by getting into the, getting into activism, not getting into activism, but orange pilling the activists that are already there saying, here's a tool that you can use for all of your activist functionalities. This is how it works. This is why it works. This is why it's better than what we have. And also being able to instruct people what, what fiat money actually is. They don't know. You didn't know. I didn't know. Not until I spent years in Bitcoin did I give shit one about fiat. I didn't even know what the word meant outside of it being the name of a car for the first probably the first year that I was into Bitcoin. It did not take long for me to go, shit, I've got to learn all about this economic stuff. Shit that should have been taught to me in school, but wasn't because what was taught to me in school about economics was fiat good, debt good, anything else bad. That's what I was taught. Didn't get the real story, did I? And I almost guarantee that neither did you. We're at an impasse. We get to go, we get to see and glimpse the world of the future, but we're gonna have to build a bridge over the chasm to get there. And all of these people that are writing letters to parliament like this guy, because that's what this is, it's a letter to parliament. I don't know if they'll read it, I hope they do. It makes good sense, but it doesn't matter if they read it or not because he's not the last young person to start doing this. He is in himself, in and of himself an activist, and he's taking it into his hands to orange pill the Scottish Parliament. Like I said, will it work? I don't know. These are probably filled with a bunch of old people and don't give a shit. They've already got their fiat. It's going to be a fight, and it's going to be a long one. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, Monday, definitely need a joke. Although in keeping with what's been going on for the last few weeks, I'll do this one, which is not from Dad Says Jokes. In fact, it is a meme from Tabernacle Dan. That's at Tabernacle Dan, all one word. People say I'm a dictator. It's kind of true though. <laughs> See how that works. Uh, yeah. Okay. So again, for all of my patrons and all of the people that have been donating to this show via podcasting 2.0, thank you. I'd like to see more people come in, but what I really want to see is help me make this show, the show that you want, not the show that I want, the show that you want. You're the one that's sitting here listening to it. Now, if people tell me don't change a damn thing and it, that's what everybody single person wants, then I won't change a damn thing. I, however, think the show could be better. I think it could have more utility. I think it could be more useful. But before I start experimenting, I figured the best people to ask are you guys. You're the one listening to it. You're the one that's spending your time that you'll never get back out. You might as well tell me what it is that you want. No, I'm not going to do shit coins, by the way. I'm, I, I just can't. There are, I do have some standards. 
So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to paint shit coins in a graceful, you know, in a great light. All right. That's just never going to happen. But outside of that, I'm, I am open. I know that's automatically made me sound like I got a closed mind, but I, this is a Bitcoin podcast. I can't do shit coins. It's not shit coin and it's Bitcoin and, but I'm asking you to help me co-produce the show so that you will get the information that you really do want, because I want to give that information to you. I don't want to just give you what I think you want, because I think that the reason that I don't have as many listeners as I do is that I'm not offering what more people want. And I need to know what that is. And the best people to ask are you guys. So for all those that do like what I do, thank you. I appreciate you sticking with me for the last, you know, over three years of me doing this. It's been, it's been a a wild ride, but I got to change some things. I've got to make the show better. I've got to make it more feasible for people to, you know, donate to the show, to support the show. The, the threat, the thousand true fans model is the one that I'm after. And if you don't know what that is, it's, it's, it's fairly well known. So if you go to DuckDuckGo, just type in thousand true fans model and you'll find out what that is. And that's what I'm after. I want a thousand true fans, a thousand really true fans that really get out of this show what they want to get out of this show in exchange for the time that you spend listening to it. Now, with that said, I will see you on the other side. Thank you.